This is the WMRA Daily for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm Chris Boros. Virginia has released a sweeping new climate action plan from partner station WHRO. Catherine Hafner reports. The plan lays out a path for the state to cut climate warming greenhouse gas emissions. Tim Sawinski with the Sierra Club in Virginia says it's fairly far-reaching. This lays out some pretty substantial and strong steps, especially in the near term, that's really inclusive of every single sector that involves fossil fuels. That was a very big, pleasant surprise to us. The vision includes things like restoring wetlands, making buildings more energy efficient, and creating more electric vehicle infrastructure. Sawinski says he especially likes the focus on cutting carbon emissions by switching to renewable energy sources like wind and solar. Decarbonizing, again, that's kind of a magic phrase here. The plan is part of a federal grant program funded by the Inflation Reduction Act. The EPA will use it to decide which states get money to implement their planned actions. That's Katherine Hafner reporting. Public safety has been a priority for Virginia's Republican Party this session, but when Republican Minority Leader Todd Gilbert took issue with the reform effort in the budget, one of his own members pushed back. For Virginia Public Radio, here's Brett Kuttner. Republicans and Democrats worked together in 2020 to create an enhanced earned sentence credit program, reducing prison time in exchange for good behavior. There's about $16 million in this year's budget for the program, but Republican Minority Leader Todd Gilbert proposed an amendment for what he called a glitch. He said, as the law sits now, the credits may not apply to some violent offenses, but would apply to add-on charges that could otherwise be just as violent. A robbery with a gun means you, you do your time, except for not quite as much on the gun part of it even though we spend all this time talking in here about gun violence and wanting to stop it. But among those Republicans who helped craft the law was Chesterfield area delegate Carrie Coiner. In the House chamber Thursday, she said the law disqualified 17 categories and over 100 offenses from the benefit. And in a rare move, Coiner stood and spoke against her own party's amendment. And I would rather us encourage folks and give them incentives to make great choices while they're in there for the best rehabilitation that they can get and that we reinvest the dollars we're going to save from the folks who are going to have time off on better quality reentry services. Gilbert's amendment failed in part thanks to Coiner's vote, but also with help from two other Republicans. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. Advocates for affordable housing hope the General Assembly will take action to increase the number of housing units in the Commonwealth. From Virginia Public Radio, here's Michael Pope. Homeowners who want to add a granny flat or a carriage house need a local government willing to agree. That's why members of the General Assembly are considering legislation that would allow for more accessory dwelling units. Delegate Shelley Simons is a Democrat from Newport News who says lawmakers have been trying to do this for years. In my city, I do feel like we have a past with redlining and keeping certain people out of certain communities. And I do think we need to shake up some of our our zoning. But the legislation hit a roadblock this week after local governments across Virginia spoke out against the bill. Delegate Will Moorfield is a Republican from Tazewell County who says the idea lands differently in Southwest Virginia. For the cost of building a 1,500 square foot ADU, you can come to Southwest Virginia and buy 10 beautiful acres and probably build a 4,000 square foot home and build as many ADUs as you would like. (laughs) So come on down. 
The bill has some opposition in the House, but advocates say they hope they can get the bill over the finish line before the session ends next month. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, I'm Michael Pope. Hanover County administrators introduced their budget priorities for the upcoming fiscal year this week. VPM News reporter Lyndon German has the story. Of Hanover's $760 million budget for 2025, about half of it will go towards public safety and education. The county intends to increase staffing in its schools and emergency services, as well as make long-term investments towards its elementary schools and safety facilities. County Administrator John Badesky said Hanover also aims to raise staff salaries by 4% across departments countywide. We also want to make sure that we're taking care of those that provide those services. This budget is responsive to those employees that work tirelessly each and every day on both the government side and on our public school side. The county also plans to improve its parks, roads, and residential services, according to Badesky, all while maintaining the county's low tax rates. Residents will have several opportunities to contribute to the county's budget before its eventual adoption this spring. That's Lyndon German reporting. Senators, delegates, and the governor are all trying to figure out how to spend your tax dollars, and they're not all on the same page. Jeff Shapiro, political columnist at the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and Michael Pope recap the week in politics and state government. All right, we are here on the unlucky 13th floor of the General Assembly building, which for some reason is the location of the Senate Finance Committee. Jeff Shapiro, what is happening in the back rooms on this unlucky 13th floor? You know, the House and Senate Budget Committees have completed their work on their respective versions of the budget. That's a two-year budget, $185 billion monstrosity. And... Um, what really distinguished these versions, and they are somewhat different, is that um, they make a big run at a lot of big proposals that were pushed by the big man. That would be Governor Glenn Youngkin. So among the features stripped away from the governor's proposal would be tax cuts, a tax increase, the elimination of the car tax, the dreaded locally imposed car tax. There was a lot of messaging in the House and Senate versions of the bill directed uh, at the governor. Uh, That includes, for example, who controls Capitol Square and the buildings therein. Uh, There's another attempt to grab some cash from the governor's office that is supposedly being used by the administration uh, to come up with ways to reinvent government. Remember, this is only the latest step in this long, slow, complicated process that on March 9th, when the legislature is supposed to adjourn, will produce a compromise with which the House and Senate can live. But of course, then the governor gets another whack at it, and presumably he will be um, creative in his use of amendments and item vetoes. In your column this week for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, you talk about the politics of the arena proposal in Alexandria as a kind of basketball game. Jeff Shapiro, what is going to happen during overtime at the Glendome? Yes, the the Glendome. This is that uh, sports plex in Alexandria that the governor is pushing as, shall we say, a legacy project. Uh, The House is prepared to support it somewhat. The Senate not at all. It is entirely possible that a budget could be sent to the governor with no reference whatsoever to, as we call it, the Glen Dome. That's not going to prevent the governor 
from seeking an amendment to jumpstart this $2 billion program. And if that fails, the governor can continue to squeeze the legislature, perhaps calling the legislature back in special session to come up with some sort of deal under which this project endures. This year, we have seen some culture war issues as part of the deliberations here in Richmond, specifically guns, God, and gays. What did you make of the governor marching with anti-abortion supporters at the March for Life? You know, the governor has done this before, but this is all about underscoring his conservative bona fides as a prospective national candidate, clearly not in 2024, but perhaps in 2028. Uh, we'll be seeing other measures of that a little later in the, in the year when the governor begins considering legislation that might generate further restrictions on firearms and one that affirms same-sex marriage, requiring the courts to issue marriage uh, licenses to Virginians regardless of their gender or, or sexual orientation. As we know, the governor opposes, personally opposes, same-sex marriage. All right. Well, that's all the time that we've got for this week. Coming to you from the offices of the Senate Finance Committee on the unlucky 13th floor of the General Assembly building. My name is Michael Pope, and we've been joined by Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Talk to you next week. Good weekend to you. The Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or RGGI, is a multi-state partnership that has seen hundreds of millions of dollars returned to Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin has called it a burdensome tax and tried to remove the state from the agreement, but a budget amendment that would force Virginia to rejoin survived debate on the House floor Thursday. Brad Kuttner has more from Richmond. Participating in Reggie, participating in this sort of regulatory environment does create an environment where your energy bills go up. That's Culpeper Area Delegate Nick Freitas repeating complaints from Governor Glenn Youngkin and other conservatives who have long decried Reggie, even as it brought in over $800 million to the Commonwealth. Fairfax Area Delegate David Belova said the program has funded numerous climate resiliency projects and led to a 20% drop in the state's power plant pollution. He also compared the market-based approach used to facilitate Reggie to programs used by former Republican presidents to phase out other environmental hazards. It's the same type of approach used by President Ronald Reagan when it came to phasing out leaded gasoline. It's the same kind of approach that President H.W. Bush proposed for cutting sulfur dioxide. But Freitas argued the system is an artificial, government-made market, not a free one, and one that is doing more harm than good. All due respect to Ronald Reagan, who I appreciate very much, Maybe sometimes even he got it wrong. <laughs> oh, man, that is real. <laughs> the amendment passed along party lines, meaning it'll likely also survive when the House budget gets sent over to the Senate. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. You've been listening to the WMRA Daily for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm Chris Boros. Thanks for listening.